I'm going to continue my theme of uh, not using lecterns or using them in weird places. Remember that story I told about the lecterns on the side? This one I'm going to just let sit here, and you guys can look at it beautifully, and I'm going to stand in the front with the music stand. Um, we're starting this new series today uh, entitled Teach Me to Live. Uh, there are, should be postcards on, your, um, on a chair. We've gone through some. Uh, you can use it to, once again, either to draw on kids or... You can take it and give it to somebody. I, I do think the origin of uh, how this came to me was we've been talking about prayer for a bunch of weeks. We've been a- uh, asking the question, and, and I've been challenging us, and we've been and interacting together. And this concept of if we're going to pray, we need to crave something more. And, and a lot of times in churches, there's a lot of things that are just said, and the 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 pastor that says them or the person who says them just expects everybody just to kind of follow along and do whatever, just to go do it. So I'll go, blah, 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 and you guys go, okay, yeah, and I just, and I think I'll just assume that you go do it. And that's an ugly way to do church, I think. That's not actually the way we're supposed to be doing this. And so the, the origin of this, of this message, this series or teaching series, whatever we're calling it, um, is that I don't want to just stand up here and, and, and dump words and say things and get passionate about what I believe in. I want to start to put some, put some meat on the bones, let's talk about it out loud together, and, um, and to figure out how to live. We talk in this Christian language. We talk in, this, um, in, 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 these, in these ways that we imply meaning. We think it means something. But then we're... It's, it's maybe not real all the time, and we just kind of live it, we just kind of fake our way through it. And I think we do live as Christians, we fake it till we make it. And we're all kind of just like, I hope we get there, right? I hope we get there. So over this series, we're going to be asking some questions, and so you're, in, your, uh, in your bulletin, there's like uh, some fill-in-the-blank questions. Um, and, and so I'm going to try to use some more props, and I have a prop to pass around. Um... You guys know what this is? That's a compass. And I just opened it like James Bond would open a compass. Just snapped it open. Like, I know how to use a compass. Nobody knows how to use a compass. Well, I, we, we shouldn't even own a compass. But we do. Um, and we own a compass because I didn't follow the directions very well. Uh, every year, and in fact, this is a new thing here in Wyoming, I heard, that we don't have to buy school supplies anymore, which is fantastic. So when that letter comes out every year that we dread, and we're like, oh, we got to buy $7,000 worth of school supplies. Ugh, what happened to last year's school supplies? Ugh, we complain, right? So a couple years ago, there was a, a compass. Why is everybody laughing? That's not funny. <laughs> I just went through, and I, I filled up the Amazon bucket of all the things I wasn't thinking. I was just typing number two pencils, college rule notebook, compass, da 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 And we, we, in the mail, we get this compass. I'm like, what is, why, do we, why do you need this for school? Oh, wrong compass. There are multiple compasses. Why have that name? That's so dumb. Silly. It's so silly. So anyway, this is a compass. People used to use these. Now we just have phones to figure out where to go. So if kids, have you ever held a compass before? 
This is, so I'm going to pass this around like this is a show and tell, and you can all take a moment to look at the compass. It's just going to work its way through, see if you can orient your way around the building. But that's, this is kind of the theme, right? If we don't follow the directions, we really aren't going to end up in the right place. I didn't really pay attention. I was just autopilot on the compass thing, and I ended up with the wrong thing. Uh, if you don't use a compass to figure out where you're going, you're not going to end up in the right place. You ever heard that illustration about if you were to make a straight line and you were to walk in that straight line, but it would take you a certain place. But, but if you were to start the line, if you start like one degree to the left, you're, the where you would end would be, if you were to go like 100 miles out, would be so different than what you intended. So we're, we're talking about for the next four or five weeks, teach me to live. And it, it's about orientation. How are we going to orient ourselves to follow Jesus? How are we going to follow him? And so I'm going to pass this compass around. Um, Which side wants it first? Now, somebody in the back is going to, all right, good job. Way to raise your hand. Excellent. Here we go. We're going to, you can look at the compass, pass it around, freely pass it around. In the bulletin, the internet's a fantastic place. In the bulletin, I don't know. So some of this is just a test to see if you're reading the bulletin. Did anybody read the bulletin and go, why is that in the bulletin? Somebody did? What? My wife did because she's always second-guessing everything I'm doing. Like, are you sure you're not going to get in trouble for that? So did somebody notice something? Did a, did a kid notice something in the bulletin that's a little weird? All right. What's that? <laughs> so on the, I've been putting quotes on the left side about prayer for the last, I don't know, a month and a half. And so I changed the quotes. I just, they were the same quotes for three weeks. In fact, what was really funny about it, and I'm going to throw my wife under a massive bus. She goes, I heard this great quote from one of our friends that's a pastor in Missouri. He goes, I heard this great quote about Martin Luther in prayer. And I'm like, that's been in the bulletin for three weeks. Thanks for reading the bulletin. It, because it really has been in the bulletin for three weeks. Anyway, what, the Internet's amazing, right? My favorite one that I saw this week is, the best things in life are actually really expensive. They really are, so just you can't afford them. But anyway, but I put some stuff in there, that's, and I had some ideas of putting some demotivational posters. Have you seen those? You remember the motivational posters? They'd say, like, courage, and then they have some, like, there's demotivational posters. Look it up on the Internet. It's a fantastic place. And it just says these things, and you're like, yikes, that's so true, and now I'm not really motivated. But you finish the phrase, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Throw them at some of you. That's right. That's the Wyoming way. We're going to throw lemons at you. Um, there's this place that we live where we, we, we have, we're given a pile of hot, steaming garbage sometimes, and we have to learn how to navigate and live our way through it, right? We, we're given a bad, a bad car or a lemon of life sometimes, and we're just like, how do I navigate this? How do I get through this? Um, we, all of us have our own story. We all have this, like this, this thing that's like a, that sticks to us that's like either a sin or like an illness or like a kid that just misbehaves all the time. And we but just kind of like we have these things and we're like, ah, this is so hard and difficult. And part of our struggle is not necessarily the issue. It's how to navigate life with that issue. It's like a, living with a sprained ankle all the time. 
and you're just limping along instead of thriving. So the, the, the series idea is like, teach us how to live. Teach me how to live so I can thrive, not just limp along. So does anybody pay attention to like hot videos that are on the internet right now? Like, do you see, like there's something that's just buzzing across the world right now. And it's, it's pretty emotional. And it's about seven and a half minutes long. But it, it's the, it really is, it's really if, if life gives you lemons, what are you going to do with it? And this is, a, this is an example of, of a, a young man being given a bad hand. And instead of just wallowing, he lived with it. And so what, what we're going to make the... So I'm going to make the spiritual connection here. We're going to wrestle with two chapters in John, and we're going to see how Jesus interacts with this, the idea that this is hard, this is difficult, life is a struggle, here's how to live in the midst of this life that's a struggle. But before I get going into John chapter 14, watch this video with me. So you have a kid, blind, autistic. Mom looks at him. What are we going to do with this? What can we do with this? What's going to happen? How do we live? And instead of being victim, instead of being a victim, I found purpose. It's a simple song. And the, I, the most beautiful thing to me in the whole video is you see the relationship in, like, between mom and son. And watching, watching purpose unfold in front of her eyes and just that joy, that joy that she experienced. And I... God looks on us in the same way, with just pure joy when we walk with Him, abide with Him in His path, regardless of our infirmities, and regardless of our struggle, regardless of the way in which we have a limp. And he just lavishes his joy and love on us in a way that is so fulfilling. It's a powerful video and a great reminder that we don't have to be a victim. And Lord, teach us how to live. Lord, teach us how to live. Let me read this text for you this morning in John chapter 14. We're going to deal with seven verses. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 14, it says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. That where I, that where I am, you may also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. In your bulletin, in the notes, there's, we're going to ask three questions today. We're going to develop the series over a course of five weeks. We're going to ask questions the first week or two, and then we're going to start to try to give some answers. I'll try, 
Um, I don't want to just leave it hanging. But the question, first question is, do I know, do I know where I'm going? And this isn't necessarily a salvation question, although it can be a salvation question. Do you know where you're going? But this is a, this is a, a, a more practical question, I think, that we need to begin to ask ourselves. Do I, and I don't want you to put it on somebody else. I don't want to use the pronoun you. I want to say I. Do I know where I'm going? Do I know where I'm going? When we begin to answer that question, all of a sudden we start to have purpose, we start to have plans, we start to have a way in which we're going to accomplish the direction in which we're going. We break out the compass, we start to say, I'm not responsible, I'm not a victim to my, my circumstance, I don't have to walk with a limp, I get to walk with Jesus and I'm going to go where he's called me to go. So the question is, from me to you and from the Lord to me, do I know where I'm going? No, we have to fight through that question. Jesus knows the situation that's going on right now. He's, he, he just got on for uh, talking about G- Peter's denial. The one in which he said, we talked about this in Sunday school today, the one in which he said, on this confession of faith of who I am, Peter says, you are the Christ. On this confession, I'll build my church. That's Peter that Jesus is saying that to. And then he just tells Peter and the rest of the disciples in the same room, you will deny me and I'm going to go die. Are you willing to continue to follow me? And that's where I love what Jesus is the comforter here and he should be the one that's being comforted because he's been predicting that he's going to go to the cross. But he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. The disciples are going, you're leaving? Now what? What do we do now? I thought that we were going to follow you to the end of our days. Where are we going? What are we doing? What's going to happen next? What is the plan? See, if we can't answer the question, do I know where I'm going? We often live directionless. We have no path to walk. And the disciples are feeling that. Like, they are really feeling that. And the great counselor Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. You believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do I know where I'm going? So take a second. I'm not going to say any words for a minute here in a second. Take a second and, and ask yourself that question. Do I know where I'm going? Do I know where I'm going? Close your eyes. Everybody close their eyes and ask that in your mind. See it in your mind's eye. Do I know where I'm going? Jesus encourages his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let me show you the way. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Let me show you the way. The way was a phrase that they used in the first century to to tell how they were all following Jesus. It was like the first name of Christians. We follow the way. Do you know the way? Do you know the way? Do I know where I'm going? Do you know the way? Jesus is like, I am the way. Believe in me. This is like, 
This is an incredibly stressful, hard thing for them to grasp. And I, we love Thomas. Everybody has to love Thomas. I love Thomas. He steps up and asks the question that everybody's asking. He goes, Jesus, you're talking in the clouds. I don't understand what you're saying. You're, listen, none of this uh, fancy, mystery, God talk. Talk to me like a normal human. This is Thomas. This is the, this is the voice of the people. Everybody in the room is thinking that, and, only, and Thomas gets a bad rap. He gets, that's doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. No, it's courageous Thomas for standing up and going, I have a question. Could you please enlighten me a little bit? I don't understand what you're talking about. I see you, but I don't know what you mean. Jesus was operating in Common Core math in a way that they just didn't get it. Two plus two did not equal four anymore. They were moving things around, and it didn't make sense to him. And I'm so grateful because, in, because Thomas says, Ah, Lord, we do not know where we're going. We don't get this. What's this rooms and this place and that you're going to leave and come back? This makes no sense. Thank you, Thomas, for asking the question. What do you mean, Jesus? I don't understand what you're saying. We don't. Listen, we're, we're a bunch of clueless fishermen. We don't know where we're going. we got some guy who knows how to do some number of things. But we really, all we're really good at is following you right now. That's it. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> I love it. Verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going. Oh, Thomas. Lord, we do not. How can we know the way, Thomas asks. How can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. So let's, uh, let's ask another question. What path are you currently taking? Now, I know when I ask these questions, you guys all have your own, your own kind of like answers that you're filling in. I'm not giving us a church answer. I'm not giving us a... Uh, a Casper Alliance church, here's the right answer to the question. I'm saying individually in this room, we're all asking these questions, and we all have different answers, and our answers uh, aren't necessarily bad. Maybe some are, but like, we have to answer the question individually before we can begin to approach the question corporately. We have to think about it from our, our own perspective. So what path are you currently taking? Is your path that you're, you're walking down, is the path that you're, is the way that you're following, the way in which that's leading to life and good things and happiness, are you being the victim? Are you saying, I don't know the way, and you know what, I'm just going to sit, and I'm not going to do anything, and I'm going I'm to slop around. See, the reason I love Thomas, again, not because he asked the question, but because he's, I think he's authentically trying to figure out, how do I walk in this path or this way that you're currently talking about? How do I continue to take these steps that you're asking me to take? You're making things confusing, Jesus, and that, let's put that over here, but I actually really want to follow you. I want to step after you. I want to know, understand, I want to understand where we're going. That's Being inquisitive and trying to figure it out is so good for us to say, Jesus, I don't get it, I don't understand, but I want to walk with you. We're quitters at our core many times. When it's not easy, when it's not simple, when we are given a pile of garbage in our day or our life or our week or our month or whatever it is, we usually just freeze and stop. 
and we, and we kind of like turn inward and we do what uh, counselors call turtling up or iglooing up where we go in our shell and we hide and we wait for the storm to pass and then when all is clear, we come out. I had this uh, executive administrator in the first church I served in. Her name was Margaret Mountain. Fantastic name. I hope she listens to this someday. Her, great name. She was a Canadian. And it was the most amazing thing about her is that she's like, if it's cold, put a coat on. If it's snowing, put some boots on. If it's raining, get an umbrella. She had this incredible ability and as an executive administrator, she, it was like her twilight career. She like ran all the parts for GM for the world. Like she was like a VP for GM. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even, she was like CIA level GM. I don't, they like stopped giving her titles. But she was a logistics person, so she would move parts around the world. And she's like retired and, you know what, I want to come run your church for you. Fun. She had an incredible way of putting everything very simply. Instead of, instead of like freezing and saying, all right, it's cold out in Michigan, let's go hide and wait till April comes. Put a coat on, go outside, be active and do your thing. Ministry doesn't stop, life doesn't stop, Jesus doesn't stop just because you're uncomfortable. Just because it's not going the way you want it to go doesn't mean that the gospel doesn't need to be advanced. And I think that that's what Jesus is fighting right here. That's what he's attacking. That's what he's saying. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to leave. And we're going to get into this in the next few weeks. This is like a stair step type of message. He, what's what's going to happen here is Jesus is going to say, oh, you don't know how to do this by yourself. I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God to come and help. And then in chapter 15, which we'll get to in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about the real practical ways of abiding in Christ and what it looks like to abide with the Father and, and be pruned and taken care of and, and to be willing to change or be willing to have things cut off of you. But this initial kind of step is like, do I know where I'm going? Do I even have a clue on what I'm supposed to be doing and the advancement that I'm supposed to have in the path that I'm supposed to be following after God? And then the second question I ask is, what path am I currently taking? Am I actually taking a path that doesn't even match what Jesus is actually asking me to do or to take? Am I on this completely different journey that, I can, that I'm attributing and saying this is Christ-like? This looks like what God would want me to do. How many times in the church and in, in, in our Christian lives have we pretended like what we're doing is Christian behavior? But it has nothing to do with Jesus. It is so far from God that it's actually quite scary when you start to break it down. So what path? You have, to, you have to fight that question and wrestle with that on your own. What path am I currently taking? I don't want us to be directionless individually. I don't want us to be directionless as a church. We need to know the direction and the path that we're going. Do you know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus gives those three phrases, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He's saying, I need you to get your compass out and orient your way towards me to make your path the path that I'm creating for you. Where's the compass at at this point? Is it still moving? All right, that's cool. I'm just wondering if it's made its way yet. So what 
orientation are you creating for your life? Are you, are you directionalist? Are you orienting your ways to the ways of Christ? This is a two-part question. Some of us have to wrestle with the first one. A lot of us are wrestling with the second one. The first part is, have you, have you surrendered all of your ways and then received the salvation that Jesus provides? That's question one for you. Not that that one's in your bulletin. I'm just adding that right now. Have you received the salvation that, that Jesus gives? Once you can say, yes, I have received Christ, now we're talking about the things I'm talking about here. What path am I taking? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. We often look for a course for our lives. For the proper path. But I want, us to, pu- I want to push us towards a destination. The destination is Jesus. We arrive In the, in the arms of the Lord. And it reminds me of that video again. Just the joy mom felt when her son performed in spite of his limitations. She knew he could play. But there's something about that happening in front of all those people where you go, yeah, he stepped up and he did it. Thomas was looking for the literal path the literal, literal path, and Jesus was like, I am the path. I am the destination. Thomas the Chemist said this, six, without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life which thou must hope. And I am the way the truth, and the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, the life blessed, the life uncreated. When we follow Jesus, he actively is teaching us how to live as we walk with him. And we get to reorient our path as we use our compass and we abide with him. And like I said, we're going to get into that over the next few weeks. This is an introductory type of lesson or teaching. He continues to bring us on the path regularly, regularly, because it's so easy for us to drift and to walk away and to create our own path, to create our own kind of like tributary somewhere else. So let me ask you this last question that's in your bulletin. What what do I hope my life will be? What do I hope my life will be? Have you ever thought about that? What do I hope my life will be? The odds of us all sitting in this room together at this particular moment, at this particular time, at this particular day, at this particular century and year and moment and second, spectacular. Everybody's path led to this moment right here. 
can't help myself. Is anybody a Spaceballs fan? <laughs> you know that this is now moment, and they're like turn, and they're like just this like picture. Anyway, kids, you don't need to watch Spaceballs. That's what I thought of immediately. This is Spaceballs. But like, you ever think of God that large to say he has directed our paths to this particular point for this particular time for this particular moment to where we're all right here right now together for some reason. The only one who should feel pressure is the one with the microphone. And I probably don't feel enough pressure most of the time. What do you hope your life will be? What do you what do you want it to be? Did you want it to be right here right now? Or is this just a matter of circumstance and you just arrived here? Accidentally. Well, because the Lord brought you. How many of your dreams didn't lead to this particular place? Think about it. It's a little sobering, right? Now everybody's disappointed. Like, I think I need to find a different church. (laughs) We can approach this moment right here, right now, as a victim. Or as somebody who's not willing to ask the question, like Thomas, like, uh, help me understand the way, Jesus. Or somebody who's not even willing to take another step towards Jesus and just be frustrated that we're here right now. And what does that look like? It looks like a mess. We start to make decisions that move us off the path. We start to make decisions that actually pull us away from the Lord. We start to make decisions that that make it look like we don't know who God the Father is because we've oriented our way to our want. And that's why I think it's really, really important to say, what did I hope my life to be? What do I hope my life to be or will be? Because here's what happens. As you follow Jesus, as we abide in Jesus, as you receive help, From the Spirit of God, He shapes you. He removes the veil so you can encounter the living Christ and you are transformed every day by glory to glory to where you reflect who Jesus is. And then your path gets grafted into the vine. And you become part of what God is trying to accomplish here on earth. You become part of His redemptive work. You Solo as a redeemed soul, but then part of a larger picture of what God's doing through the story of creation to the end. That's what happens when you say, no, I want my life to be that which is abiding in Christ so that I can follow and walk with Him. Because He is the way. He is, his, he is the truth. And He is the life. When we acknowledge that out loud, when we give awareness to that in our own life, when we say, yes, Jesus, You are the way. There is no other way other than Him. When, Je- when you say, yes, Jesus, you are the truth, there is no other truth other than Him. When you say He is the life, there's no other life in which you want to be changed by other than His. Do you see how that slowly and painfully sometimes puts our path on the path that He's created for us? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If He gave you the whole story and the whole picture of where you were going to arrive, how many decisions would you change? That's why time travel is so complicated. Because if you knew how it was going to end, you would manipulate the now. 
I would. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Now, there is so much more to say. So much more to say. I would love to continue to break down and get into it more and more. And sometimes I just, it's time to be done. (laughs) One of the orienting steps of following Jesus is this table communion. It's a visceral reminder of our union with Jesus. When we take communion, we are acknowledging what he has done for us. We are aligning with his work on the cross. We are receiving his provision. All of those things are reorienting so that we are grafted back in to the path. I didn't provide a lot of answers. We're going to explore answers over the next four weeks. But these are the questions that we are wrestling with, and we all wrestle with. I want us to participate in communion together. One of the reasons we don't pass the plate is I think it, frankly, is because you guys habitually have never passed the plate. Because I remember the first time I did communion here, I passed the plate and everybody lost their minds. They're like, what's he doing? We don't pass plates. People come forward. Well, I actually like coming forward, and we call it drive-through. But what it does is it, like, forces you to walk a path, doesn't it? You have to walk the path. You have to come forward. Um, it's, It's become a more theological activity for me now that we don't pass. I grew up in a church that always passed. But it's, it, there's like a, there's a step. It's a, uh, what Chris, you said, it's a physical response when you preached on, he, uh, on fasting. Taking communion, there's a physical response that you have to, you have to take a step forward. And that's, that's a, a DNA piece to our church, taking steps forward. We want to be taking steps forward. We're fighting forward. And, and by coming forward to take communion, you are submitting and you're stepping onto the path, the way. Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples. And that's part of why this is confusing for them. That's part of why they were struggling, because this felt like a celebration. Like the arrival of the king, right? We're going to go into Jerusalem. We're, we're here. We're in Jerusalem. You're here. The Messiah's here. And he's talking about leaving and going, and I'll go and prepare a place. And it's like, what's going on? And so in the midst of all that and washing the feet, he he establishes this table. And he says, anytime you break bread, break it in remembrance of me because this is my body broken for you. Whenever you drink the cup together, this is my blood poured out for you. The new covenant of salvation given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this to orient your path towards me. One last, like, 47-second sermonette. When Jesus goes and he ascends into heaven, and, 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 and right before he says, and this is part of our denomination, we're a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family, he says, you'll be my witness at the end of the earth when the Spirit of God comes upon you, right? 
And the, and the disciples go and they prepare. They go to the upper room and they're praying and they're waiting for Pentecost. They're waiting for the Spirit to come so that then that'll be a sign for them to go out and start ministry and to do healing. And to, I mean, like, they're going to be a witness, right? A year and a half after all that, you think there was somebody going, should we stop now? No. There had to be somebody going, oh, I don't know. I don't know. This is taxing. You know, I don't know if I really like all this. We're kind of pariahs everywhere we go. People hate us. In fact, they killed somebody a few chapters ago in Acts. That feeling had to exist. They were human. Right? And then they would gather. And I, one of them would say, let's break bread together. And all of a sudden, the focus would crystallize. And they would say, yes, yes and amen. Jesus is king. Let's be a witness to his name. Let's bring glory to earth. Let's bring heaven here. 